0: Please listen carefully.
1: And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring two guys who know better and do it anyway
0: Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast we continue our reassumption reaboodle of Dread and Judge Dread and Dread
1: Dread. Judge Dread in the movies. Yes, Judge Dread. The property, but in this 2012 version
0: of it, it's just called Dread. Yes, last week we did Judge Dread. It was called Judge Dread. 1995, the Stallone film. If you haven't heard that, hit pause. (laughs) Go back. Go back and listen to that one. And I believe that we both gave it four out of eight slices of pizza with one topping of your choice. Yeah, one plain topping. Yes. So, well, did you say you think that's your lowest pizza rating you've ever given anything? I think so far. Yeah. There may be. I'd have to go back to research and see what the other ones are, but I think
1: four is my low so far because yeah. I, I tend to love most things.
0: Yeah, we'd have to look back and. <laughs> 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 we keep exhaustive records. We don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but today we are doing the reboot, I guess, because the first one would be the original. True. So this is a reboot, even though, I mean, it's made by different people, but that doesn't matter. I think Clash of the Titans was probably made by different people yep. too. So I guess reboots are reboots always technically made by different people. I guess so. Yeah. But there's an interesting question
1: with this reboot, because normally when they reboot stuff, they sort of keep the same story. This they're just
0: using the right. same source
1: material, but they're doing two different takes on it.
0: So, like, like a lot of different takes too, because the writer had this is like his third draft of a story. Mm-hmm. I think the first one was like Judge Dread fight against evil crooked judges. <laughs> yep, and, which is kind of
1: what the first one was. Yeah, or and, the
0: ninety-five one was. And then the then he had some draft of that all went into a pro-democracy revolutionary group and going into the wasteland and stuff like that but he seemed that he thought that seemed more like a sequel because he wanted to introduce you to, to the mega city world yep so then he settled on this which like you said is this is kind of like a one shot
1: it's a day in the life of being a judge yeah. it's, it takes place in 24 hours and it's it is one and done yeah
0: so dread 2012 came out Mikey give us the breakdown who directed this who made it who's in it the director is Pete Travis. Who? Yeah. It, he's not a real big
1: name, but uh, I would say the thing I know him for that I enjoyed was a movie called Vantage Point. But beyond that, there is really isn't too much. But the star is the writer you were just mentioning, which is Alex Garland. Uh, he wrote Ex Machina. He wrote Sunshine, another great sci-fi movie where they have to go restart the sun. And then he wrote Dread, which what you were talking about, he did a couple of drafts on it. He, he was a writer on it since like 2006. So it's been in kind of development hell for a little bit. But he, he got his vision finally on the screen
0: with this. So props to Alec, Alex Garland. And it stars uh, one of your favorites, Carl Urban. One of my, one of my Build-A-Crew picks, absolutely. Yes, as Dread himself, who never takes the helmet off because he understands it's a it's. The difference we were talking about. That's we talked it? about the difference. We're going to jump right into stuff. Jump all around. You're going to hang on. That's it. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> and, but in the, uh, the 95 one, we talked about how that was made in an era of Hollywood. Yes. Where Stallone can't not have the helmet off. He has to have the helmet off. Did I do I know I did that negatives properly. I didn't double negative <laughs> myself. Uh, so... Well, you got to see the money maker. That's they, it. They came to see Stallone. They came to see the face and hear the voice. So <laughs> we got to show the face.
1: But we, as we discussed in our last podcast, that's not true to the comics at all. It's more like Mandalorian. The, net, the helmet should never come off. Right. Which I saw mentioned as like it makes the law faceless, which is a, like an in, intentional theme from the comic books. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's smart. That makes sense. So that's why the helmet never comes off. So it, it's always like. The the faceless law enforcer, but they did it for this movie. We never see Carl Urban's beautiful face. No,
0: not at all. Just, Just his permanent frown, his perma frown. It also stars Olivia Thorlby <laughs> who is what you what did you say was we're watching this with not Scott and he's like, what do I know her from? I thought I called it out. I was actually wrong. I thought she was one of the the girls from a gymnastics movie called Stick It, which
1: I'm now admitting to seeing. But <laughs> I'll still cop to it turns out it's a it's a lookalike that's not her but oh. she was in Juno and in an old sci-fi movie called Darkest Hour I don't know oh. if you ever saw that it's like electric aliens that take out people but she's been in like B-list stuff
0: I guess this is her first sort of A-level thing so I'd argue that this movie's A-level but <laughs> <laughs> um, but also we have a very familiar face in Lena Headey yes um the queen
1: queen Cersei from Game <laughs> of Thrones
0: yes and then a lot of people I don't recognize except for General Hux is in this. Yeah, Donal, Donald Gleeson. Domno? Don, Donald? Domno. Yeah, you got to have the brogue to say his name right. D O M H N. How do you, M-H-N. They it's, they like wrote the brogue into his first name. Domno. Domno.
1: <laughs> Domno Gleeson. That's him as the clan techie, as the little nerd uh, robot boy that hacks everything. Yes, he does a great yes. job.
0: That's who's in it, and then a whole bunch of other extra people who I didn't recognize any of them yep. at all.
1: So a, a little less star power than the ninety five version, but I mean, seems like a crew that holds up.
0: Yeah, I would say that in general, the casting for this—not even in general, the casting for this—is fine, perfect. Yeah, there's I nothing bumped me. We didn't. I didn't have any of the. Why is Deuce Bigelow in this movie? <laughs> you know. Yep. Why are you wasting Diane Lane in this yeah. movie? It's just
1: why is Rocky going around shooting people? What's happening? Yeah, it's, it was.
0: The 90s were a mess with comic book movies, man. It's gravy.
1: But this one, it does seem like they're putting semi-famous people, but they're filling out characters, people that can carry the weight of this dystopian, future-cursed-earth sci-fi action, uh, ultra-violent movie.
0: Yeah. So we're just going to kind of go through, we're not going to go like scene by scene, but just the overall theme of this. The yep. the interesting thing we noticed about this movie is that the other one had that good old-fashioned 90-minute runtime, yes. the 95 one. And this one... They only tacked on five more minutes. That's it. And that's probably just for extra like production yeah. credits. Be like, here's who did all the CGI this for it. 95 minute runtime. Mikey said it's his favorite runtime. I'll say it again. An hour and a half. Perfect length for a movie. Whether you like it or you don't, you're like you're in and out hour and a half yeah. done. So we're going to kind of go through not step by step every single scene, but just the general, we'll use the structure of the film itself. Yeah. yeah, the Plot itself to go through. So and we're going to compare and contrast with the other one. So it's good if you saw the other one, listen to other podcasts about the 95 one. That's true. Because the whole point of a reassumption rebootle is, was this one any good? Does it hold up? Is this one any good? Which one's better? What do we like about one or the other? The whole deal. Hot takes and opinions and assumed positions. So much like the 95 one, this starts off with a voiceover explaining the universe, the world. Yep. But this time it's Carl Urban as Dread himself and not James Earl Jones probably because well Carl Urban can actually read I don't think Stallone could have. I mean can you imagine it sort of the world in the future it's the year 2134 <laughs> the mega cities <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> No, and they had a giant hollywood budget so yeah. get James Earl Jones in here why not tip get Simba was that his was that the dad's name was Simba Mufasa, was kid, Mufasa. <laughs> I was going to say I was trying not to just go for Darth Vader I was trying <laughs> to go for the other one the creepy blind guy from Sandlot, yeah. <laughs> this is CNN. <laughs> so we get the and it's, it was funny to me because it was almost the exact same paragraph of words. Absolutely, same setup, same yeah. epilogue. Yep. Yeah. So it was kind of like, oh, well, how close is this gonna be? We got the overarching kind of flow of the city, which I guess they filmed this in South Africa. So mm-hmm. I think that they just took Cape Town and then CGI it sprawly <laughs> in the future yes because it looked to me it looked very district nine yeah oh absolutely i see that so i mean that's done there so i do love the sci-fi concept
1: of like it's the future and it's the same cities and sort of structures and city grids that we know but the only place to develop once all the land is taken up by the all the people that are in these mega cities on the cursed earth the only place to go is up, so now it's just towers and towers of people. I think Blade Runner did the same thing. Like, yeah. that, that's such a fun sci-fi trope. Ready Player One did it too. But So yeah, we get Mega City One again, which is a giant city with with towers of like slums and all that stuff. But as we're flying over the city, it, it sort of cuts to... like the Instead of getting the exposition, we don't show up with Rob Snyder as the comedy scene to say, here's the world and we're going to explain it to you. It's more like... Oh no! There's some bad guys in a van, and there's a car chase, and we're starting off with an action scene. So it starts off kind of with a bang for this one, and we learn about the one of the main premises of this movie, which is the drug slow mo.
0: Yeah, there's a drug that comes in a it's, it comes in an inhaler, basically. <laughs> I have asthma. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. Everything's going slow. Everything
1: is do <laughs> It is slow. Yeah, it slows <laughs> down time to one percent. This is, there's more CGI in this movie, and this is where we get the main brunt of it, is every time there's a slow-mo scene, this is, like, CGI-heavy. But I, I'm going to say it right now, I'm a fan of it. Like, the effects they add to it, it's really colorful, it's really sparkly. I think I like the concept of smo- slow-mo and how it's used in this movie.
0: It was uh, originally 3D, right, This when the movie came out? Yep, when it came out in theaters. So that that's what was interesting to me. That three Remember when 3D movies had to be filmed in a way that they couldn't really ever show them in regular so they always had to be in 3D. Yeah, and they and couldn't really, like, they had to, like, convert it or whatever to make yeah. it back and to and then 2D. it always was weird looking, and yep. I just remember, I just have memories of uh, how, running to the store to get some magazine or whatever. Maybe they just had them by the counter for, like, the local... TV station was showing like the 3D version of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. And getting those red and blue things. Yeah. We're going to show it on the TV at home. And so you get 3D at your house.
1: Wow.
0: Now you get hard plastic glasses that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we didn't see this in 3D. We just watched it on Hulu. I saw it in 3D. But oh, yes. But yeah, <laughs> when we went to rewatch it, we watched it as a group on Hulu.
1: Streaming now. So check it out.
0: So. I don't know how much there was. Little things like the the first little synopsis thing almost seemed like a nod to the original one. I don't know how much Alice Garland was trying to like put stuff in there. If he was even bothering, or if this stuff is from the comic book and just showed up in both places. But the f- original one, right, at, right, really at the beginning, had the kind of "I am the backup" thing. Yes. And then this one, we got Drudge Dredd chasing the guys doing slow-mo mm-hmm. in the little um, Volkswagen minibus or whatever <laughs> that thing was. And, you know, they ask him if he needs backup, and he's like, no. But he doesn't say, I am the backup, just like it's implied. I am the backup.
1: <laughs> he is the backup. He doesn't need backup, and he's the only one that
0: can get the situation under control. And then we see the we get our first... They're doing a lot of showing instead of telling, so happy for you not scott you like showing instead <laughs> of telling but he's just in pursuit of them but then they hit a guy yes graphically uh chris Platt, and he's like uh oh no there's a that was a that's another charge for the drug dealers yeah that's a that's a charge of, uh, where in the ver in the verdict it's the verdict right mm-hmm. and that's a death sentence so i'm just gonna go ahead and take them out with my machine guns that are <laughs> mounted on my motorcycle Fun fact, Carl Urban actually riding that motorcycle. And real motorcycles. Yeah, no step man, real motorcycles. And the excuse for the motorcycles not looking like the motorcycles in the comic book, because in 95, the motorcycles looked exactly like the motorcycles in the comic book. Oh, I got you. But... Those motorcycles, the wheels couldn't turn because (laughs) the comic book has impractically drawn vehicle.
1: It's just comic book rules. yeah. yeah.
0: So they just had to kind of be like, well, we actually want to show this thing driving around. There you go. So let's modify a regular motorcycle as much as we can to get it to look sort of like it. I hear you. But that was kind of the sacrifice there.
1: You can tell they were practical, though. I mean, it's it's an old it, this is an old-school Hollywood just car chase scene. There's cars flipping over. They're hitting people. There's guns firing at the same time. The soundtrack is great. It, and that's where we start. That's where we're digging into the world. They're letting us know that Judge Dredd is the boss. He doesn't need backup. And he's Judge, Jury, and Executioner, and he's going to carry out his job. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. we get that in two minutes. Good job.
0: Yes, and they have him talking to Control and the big tower with the eagle on the side of it as a— it's like a big eagle neon versus the building looking like an eagle. Yep. Uh, so. Still called the Hall of Justice, though. Yeah. So silly. The Hall of Justice. <laughs> and he calls in, I uh, he calls in like, he hit that guy and he's like, we got one for Recyc. And I'm like, what's recycle?" Yeah, when they called that the Recyc, I thought it was a thing like they were going to
1: take the people that were witnesses and like give them Psychovals because all the gore that's going on and all the
0: explosions. Nope, they're recycling bodies. Yes. It's basically. <laughs> and Green is people. Uh, and it's funny because in the first film, 95, uh, they have that whatever the food cart going around, the automated robot food cart saying like, recycled food is good for you. Oh, there recycled you go. food is safe. So it's a thing from the comics and it's addressed in both of them right up front. But this one was done a little differently than that one. But it's still the same vibe. That's and Green. Yeah. They're making food out of people. Because there's too many people, I guess.
1: (laughs) Oh, there's so many. There's so many, and they're living in these buildings, which is where the chase ends up. We finally get to Peachtrees, which is the main set piece for this and the rest of this movie. But Peachtrees is this giant slum tower. Apparently there's 8 million people in there, and there's 17,000 crimes committed daily. This is futuristic
0: sort of like giant apartment building. It's crazy. It is pretty crazy. Now, one of the things that, here's my first critique of it. Let's go. The thing that I liked about the 95 one is it had that cyberpunk feel to it. Everything was very Neo-Tokyo type cyberpunk mm-hmm. looking feel to it. Um, and this one, like with the cars that were on the road and just the general, I mean, it looked like Cape Town. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And they didn't. I, I, I kind of wanted more futuristic looking vehicles. Like the van that those guys were in just had like the round headlights and they haven't had round headlights in vehicles since like the 1970s. True. So it just, I don't know, that bumped me because I don't know if they were going back to stuff in the comics. I'd have to like look at the comic because I know the comics started in the 70s. -hmm. So I don't, but it really just looked like they were like, what vehicles do we have hanging around here in Cape Town? (laughs) Let's use those. And then A lot of the people in the slum, they weren't dressed any different at all. Now, I'm not saying they need to be in like, you know, Back to the Future, shoes, yeah, mylar suits or anything (laughs) like that. But I didn't notice that in the 95 one. I'd have to go back and look. And I really don't want to have to go back and look at that movie. But I'd have to go back and look. But I don't remember looking at the people and going like, they don't look like they're in a post-apocalyptic future. So I don't know what I was looking for. And I don't know why I noticed the difference, but I very much in this movie noticed the difference where it just seemed like they were a couple of, like, cosplayers as Judge Dredd in a mall (laughs) with, like, a regular shopping mall. Of people you'd find at the mall today. Be like, hey,
1: yeah, here's a gun. You just stand there. Yeah.
0: It (laughs) didn't, like, I don't know what you do. I'm not a costume designer, but I know that there's things that you can do subtly that make it look different that isn't, like I said, mylar silver jumpsuits or whatever.
1: And I think that's the choice you kind of have to make at the start. You can either go back to the future, Blade Runner, like it's the future. We have flying cars. We have weird chips that go into the consoles and people have futuristic haircuts and makeup and shiny plastic clothes. Or you could say, realistically, if we advance our world a hundred years, what's going to change? The buildings are going to get taller. People are going to still wear t-shirts and sweatpants, but maybe they're a future material t-shirt and sweatpants. I don't know. But to me, it seems like the realistic take on where we would be in a hundred years, rather than like let's just make this look futuristic, because like they, they do the same thing with uh, Judge Dredd's costume. Doesn't look like the Stallone costume we saw in '95. It looks like kind of what MCU is doing, where there it's it's it is a superhero super body armor costume, but you could see cops in a hundred years wearing something mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, that was a big knock that a lot of people had on this version that I didn't have personally the costumes of the 95 version other than the weird cod piece pretty much look exactly <laughs> exactly like what's in the comic book yep and these didn't and a lot that upset a lot of people that personally doesn't upset me because if i was doing this movie here this is what i'm gonna say if, I, go. if I was doing this movie to me that uniform that judge dread wears is a practical like dress uniform in real life okay but for uh Patro- I- patrol uniform it's not and that's what the people creating this movie said mm-hmm. it's just not a practical patrol uniform so maybe you put in the earlier scenes yeah you, you couldn't you couldn't really do it because they wanted to start this off with a bang i don't know how you do it i don't know if you have it no you could do it because he had to go back to the hall of justice mm-hmm. after that to meet the rookie he was going to train. His new assignment, yes. So they could have all been dressed in, like, their dress uniforms or whatever. Yeah, the when parade they were there. dress or whatever or it would something be called. Like, yeah. like when, you're, when you're in the Hall of Justice, you have to dress like this. And you yes. could have had him dressed just like he is in the comic book. Or just like Stallone was in 95. Yeah. yeah, and then that's what the locker rooms are for, for it. changing out of your dress uniform and getting into your thing. Because Stallone kind of did it opposite. Stallone had them in some kind of, like, because he didn't want to have his <laughs> helmet on, they had some some kind of crazy like dress uniform. He was dressed just like all the Justice Supremes or whatever. Yeah, and then he put on that thing that looked like the comic book when he was going on patrol. So you could kind of do something like that. That would have been a fun detail, like yeah, like, as like just yeah, a, a not nod. on the street clothes. That just, that would have been a nice just, detail. Yeah, I think that would have been nice. But anyway, since we got there, we'll get to that. So after he takes these guys out. And that's taken care of. Mm -hmm. He goes and he gets an assignment. He's going to train a rookie. So it's almost like training day future. That's it. Right. So (laughs) this rookie he gets apparently failed all of her background thing. Like shouldn't be a judge,
1: but. But she only failed by three
0: points. Yeah. But she's a mutant and she has psychic powers. Yeah. And Judge Anderson is uh, from the Psy group in the comic books. So this is a character from the comic books.
1: And, like, they make a few lines of reference to it later in the movie. But her being a mutant, they tie it into, like, the mutants we saw in the 95 version that are in the Cursed Earth, like, Wasteland part. She just happens to, like, I guess, won the mutant genetic lottery where she still gets to look like Olivia Thrillby and also have psychic powers and all of her limbs and fingers. So that's awesome.
0: Because she grew up near the wall. Oh, that's right. Okay. So I guess it's all irradiated. I guess the closer you are to the middle, the better it is, which is weird to me. Anyway, (laughs) I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to like really talk to someone who is super into Judge Dredd. But it seems like it seems like the most irradiated places would be the old cities, because that's what you would nuke. It's supposed to be a nuclear apocalypse. It seems like the city should be like in the middle of like Kansas. Yeah. Or something like that instead of. I'm with you because New York and Boston and the Washington—all the places where mega city supposed to be should have been flat. Those are yeah, and should be, be glowing. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Yep, shiny, shiny materials <laughs> yeah. all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, whatever.
1: Oh, that'd be great if it was like a mega city one, but it was in like Minneapolis.
0: Like yeah, somewhere that they just somewhere or in Cape
1: middle. Town. Like that would fit. Like yeah. if they even left it as that. Yeah, that's somewhere
0: funny. in the middle. But that's from the comics, so. <laughs> I say, do better, British people who did the comics back in the seventies. Think about stuff. Come on. <laughs> but I do like this narrative hook.
1: I do like Anderson, the rookie, as our as like the audience viewpoint. She's the one mm-hmm. where we learn more about this world instead of the info dump where we have like Armanda Sante. We love you, but we don't need you having a monologue of what your what your goal is. Like, oh, now it's time to start taking over the the commission. Now it's just okay. We're gonna learn along with the rookie and see what decisions we need to make when it comes to dispensing justice out on the street, which is what they do. They're sent back to Peachtree's to investigate the murder that happened after the hostage. All the action is connected, and the power level's advancing, and the tension is increasing. Ugh.
0: Yeah, we learned that Peachtree's is the—I guess they call these towers blocks, and Peachtree is a block— Like you said, it's kind of designated. They said designated as a slum, a level something slum. They don't explain these things. I kind of like that kind of thing in movies where they don't over-explain, but they. they, Sometimes movies can get in the weeds, right? Mm -hmm. Over-explaining stuff and Mm -hmm. just going into exposition just so you know what's going on. I like it better when they're just like, if you're just listening to a conversation and you can overhear stuff, and you have to use context clues and just kind of figure out. What's going on? Because nobody explains stuff like that in real life. Mm -hmm. That's what bumps you. This is like, I'm in a movie now. You know, because... (laughs) Someone's it, explaining things that they would never explain in real life. And saying the proper names of things that they're using. Like, nobody does that. Or calling each other proper names. Yeah. Like, in this movie, they
1: never call the gun the lawmaker, and they never refer to the motorcycle as the lawmaster. That's just yeah. it's something you get to figure out on your own. Right. You know?
0: Oh, and I'm with you. Level whatever slum means that there's different levels of fl- slums. Use your context clues. That's it. Is this a bad level or a good level? Who cares? Yeah. It's like, I'm,
1: I'm from Sector 13. I come over from Sector 9. It's like, okay, I guess there's multiple sectors, which yeah. is like counties, I guess and that kind of works. Yeah,
0: sure. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, and we know one of the sectors is near the wall because that's where Anderson was from <laughs> and that's how she got mutated. What is your take
1: on her power? So we learn early on, and it comes up a few times in the movie, but she's
0: telepathic? Yeah, she can, so read, she's an empath? Read, she can read minds and she can actually access, she can like get in there too. Yep. She can get in your brain. So man, psychic powers is the classic, I've always called it the magic of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Because that's what, like, Star Wars is the, the people don't realize, but you know, there's telekinesis and stuff. It's like pushing and pulling, and it's all in the mind and, yep. and stuff like that. I mean, force lightning can more, like, but still. <laughs> but basically, sci fi, if you're looking for a kind of magic element, it's usually sci powers. Yeah. Often enhanced by cybernetics or whatever, like mm-hmm. Neuralink type Elon Musk stuff.
1: Or um, mutations in, the, yeah, in or this mutations. case.
0: Yeah. So I have no problem with it.
1: Okay. What about you? Because I could see somebody complaining that like having telepathy is sort of a narrative cheat. And I just want to like I give props to this movie because it does have telepathy in it and it does show up on a recurring basis. It's always like it's power leveled really well. People use it against her and there's limitations to it. Like that's why she doesn't wear a helmet. So she's weaker out in the field. And she can't really read Judge Dredd and what he's doing because of the helmet. Yeah, you know? yeah. 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 So I thought they did a really good job of sort of tampering it down for being a
0: I don't know, overpowered superpower. <laughs> yeah, and from what I've seen in the in the comics, most of the Psyops people don't wear their helmets. Most of all the judges j- keep their helmets on when they're judge judges. But yep. they're psyops and there's other special groups in there like the justices and stuff that don't wear helmets. So they're not just all helmeted people all the time.
1: That's like D and D balance though. Like it interferes with your power through either you're weaker without armor and you get to yeah. use your
0: power or you have armor and you don't. Oh. You can't use the sword because the metal misses with your magic. <laughs> See? Can't wear armor because the metal message yeah. Oh smart writing here. No, yeah, that was good. I have no that's just that's classic sci-fi to me.
1: But yeah, now we're at with Dred and Anderson with his rookie in tow now have to go back to Peachtree's and investigate the
0: three bodies that have been thrown over the balcony. Oh geez Louise. Yeah. Um this this <laughs> we were talking about how ninety five Judge Dredd Why is this movie R because it seemed like a PG thirteen movie yes. easily. And then you said that they had tried to make it an NC-17 movie, Mm -hmm. but Stallone wanted it to be a PG-13 movie. So I guess they settled on R was the compromise, because I really, really think that that was the classic thing of where, like when they did Deadpool, the fans were like, this better be an R. Yep. So they were like, well, it better be an R or else people are going to, you know. But they didn't do anything R-like in that movie at all, man. Not at all. But this movie, they're like, yeah, it's rated R. We're going to use all of it. <laughs> it's it's so weird that they're both rated
1: R because this movie absolutely <laughs> takes full advantage of it. Like, you could tell the same narrative, like, maybe they were shooting for R and ended up NC-17 because it's only a few scenes away from that. But, oh, yeah, this is this is the ultra violence that is in the comic
0: books, and done to a, 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 a new, unique level for this movie, I would say. Yeah, like they used the... They, they made sure a lot of the times people were getting shot that that person had just ingested this slow-mo drug. <laughs> so you got to see the ultraviolence in slow motion. Yeah, you get to see every little bit, like yeah. every little detail. I mean, that was, pretty, that was pretty neat, I thought, as far as... I see it's kind of interesting because... A lot of people get upset about violence in movies and yada yada and all that stuff. But I always look at it from the technical point of view for some reason. I don't know why, but like anything I'm watching, like, oh, wow, that's the fact that like that dude really isn't getting his face blown off. Yep. But they made it look like (laughs) it, you know, you know, and that that stuff amazes me how they can do any of that stuff, even the practical stuff that they do, too. Like, Saving Private Ryan, they, you know, had, like, found an amputee if they needed an arm off, and but they make this fake arm that looks like his arm's off. It's visceral, I, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. No, I'm with
1: you. Like, I, I come from it from, like, being a horror movie fan. Part of the reason you watch horror movies is, like, how do they do that? And, like, oh, look at that effect. Like, you know, it's all makeup or CGI or whatever, but it's still, like, oh, they did that in such a unique way. That same goes for this movie. Yes, they do do a whole bunch of slow-mo and so you get to see every little detail, but as far as death scenes in this movie, I don't think I've ever seen a similar death scene in any other movie. Like you get to see people's like heads explode and bullets go through cheeks and and like it's really gory, but
0: really uniquely done. Like yeah. it's just interesting to be like, "Oh, I've never seen something like that." Yeah. But it's at Peachtree we're introduced to the Mama Clan. Yes, and we get to see Queen Cersei. We do with a scar and being all scary and stuff. Man, she's <laughs> does Lena Headey ever do anything nice? I'm like, I mean, as far as roles, I haven't seen a lot of her stuff. I don't think she's in any rom-coms. Yeah.
1: Because I only know her from Game of Thrones, which everybody knows. But she was also uh, the wife of Leonidas in 300, the old Zack Snyder movie, who told... She's the one that authorized him to kick that dude into the well. Right. Everybody knows that scene. That's Lena Headey as well. I think she's just always the boss
0: babe in everything she does. I know, right? I know. Wow.
1: (laughs) But they gave her a gruesome backstory. They show that she is the villain that she has worked herself up to be.
0: Yeah. She, She. Apparently there's a pleasure district in Mega City. <laughs> yep. Because that's where she's from, the pleasure district, which has all kinds of implications to it. But it almost seems like a nod to Blade Runner. But anyway. Yeah, yeah I, maybe, maybe it is. But anyway, yeah. She was cut up in the face, reminded me of uh, what was that? Unforgiven, was it the movie?
1: Oh when, yeah. 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 They the cut, old western. They could honor her. That's it. That, but see, that, that's that's bringing that trope back, and it sort of gives you—it's an immediate audience connection to be like, "Oh, she is, she has trauma because it's She obviously. has trauma,
0: and actually, later on, we'll get to it. It it kind of saves Anderson's life. It does. Yeah, because of what happened to her. That's really good. Now, I want to say writing. Well, it is good writing, but causing or cause, reasons. Good reasons. I don't know what the technical term I'm looking for. Themes. Yep. Yeah. Tie ins connections. Tie-ins. Yeah, yeah. it just makes it makes it makes sense because sometimes you're like, yeah. why would you not just do that to this person right now?
1: I am going to jump ahead, but we're still talking about Lena because I love her character mm-hmm. and this is one of the first scenes she really gets to come out and I love it so much. I just want to spotlight it. Is mm-hmm. that so? Anderson and Dredd are there. They're investigating three bodies. They're arresting people, but one of the people they end up arresting is uh, Mama's right hand man. So that causes conflict and catalyst. But then. Lena Headey puts the building into lockdown, Mm -hmm. right? So Blast Shields come down, like they're in DEFCON 10, I guess, for futuristic numbers. wait, is it lower number for DEFCON is bad? (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, DEFCON 10, Blast Shields come down. Lena gets on the PA and she's like, attention people of this building. There are two judges in here. If anybody kills them, I will not kill you and all of your family. Nobody leaves until those judges are dead. It's like... That's sci-fi thunderdome. That's like ultimatum yeah. over the
0: speakers. Oh, such a powerful scene. And the person who helps her take it over is her hacker that she's got on her crew, labeled as Clan Techie in the cast. Clan. That's all he's called. He that's doesn't all, have a name. He doesn't have a name. Oh wow, Dom Domno Dom, 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 Leeson. Domno. Dom. <laughs> I'm just gonna call him Hux. Hux. Just, it's yeah. easier. Hacker Hux, Hacker Hux, with his cool cyber eyes. Now here's <laughs> now here's the this is the, something that I think would have helped me with the and not looking cyberpunky enough. Yep, he's got cyber eyes. Okay, that's great. I think that's what would help the people walking around the mall area or wherever, just the people walking around, mm-hmm. is like give them a little goofy haircuts, maybe. I don't know. That might help a little bit. Or like, like bad robotic dental but, work. But I'm saying, yeah throw in, like, an obvious robot arm on dude over there. I got you. Or, you know, that that person obviously has half their head is made of metal. Yep. You know, stuff like that. Because you can just still have people in T-shirts and whatever just wandering around, you know, pushing strollers or whatever. But mm. if, if a couple of them randomly have obviously cybernetics, because the whole fun thing to me of this, like, cyberpunk world is that cybernetics have become so prevalent that even if you're in this slum city, you know, some people have some of them.
1: It's still a default as far as what they're doing to fix people now. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, it's a default. It's like,
0: oh you lost your arm in a traffic accident, here's a cyber arm for you, and it's not going to look like a real arm. Yeah. And it might be kind of a crappy one. So that's even cooler to me that, you know, oh, the people in the slums have kind of like C-3PO looking arms or something.
1: Just like in in, in a 2000s movie in the ghetto, you would see somebody with a crutch, like going down the street, you know, and you go, oh, that guy's on the, you know, he's in dire straits. You'd like you put a robot leg there and be like, "Oh, that's old model robot leg. You yeah. must be on Dire Straits." So I just you? wanted,
0: I just wanted to see more, a little more of that, a oh. little more cyber stuff. I, I think that would have helped it. me be like, "Oh, they just pulled people off out of the mall <laughs> in Cape Town and threw them in this place." But benefit over the ninety-five movie, it's actually diverse extras. Like they didn't <laughs> just go,
1: they didn't go to a frat house and be like, "Hey, you want to be in a sci-fi oh, movie? Yeah. Oh, let's kill everybody! Yay!" <laughs> Older violence. Oh, my gosh. That is a thing in the lockdown. Now that Lena has made her proclamation over the PA, we now know that there's all kinds of gangs in this block. Like, it's officially... It is a slum building. There's a whole bunch of different types of people crammed in here, and all these different clans come out and, and head after Dredd and Anderson.
0: Man, it was... It, one of the th- crazy things, too, is that when they initially went there to look at the bodies, there was, like, the... I guess part of the the buildings, these blocks, mm-hmm. there are officials, I guess we'll call them officials that are there yeah. who run things because they, to take over the building and put it in lockdown, they kill a whole bunch of guys in some kind of control room. That's true. And then when the Judge Dredd and Anderson show up, they're met by some kind of like medical clinic officer guy. Yeah, he's on like, I'm I'm from the med bay, level 72. Yeah, so and I guess he's kind of acting as a coroner basically Mm -hmm. in this case for the bodies that were thrown, skinned and thrown (laughs) off the roof. In slow-mo. In slow-mo. But when Judge Dredd is like, okay, we have to take ourselves to a place that's defensible and on our side so we're headed to the med bay. And they get there and the dude's like, nope. I'm not letting you in here. But he should. I mean, the justices are the law. Aren't they the people in the right? And he's like, dude, this is war. There are there are no sides. Like, <laughs> I love you, but I don't love yeah. you. Sorry. But he basically was like, I don't think you're going to make it out of here. Yeah. You know, because he doesn't know it's Judge Dredd and his psychic friend. He's just, it's a judge. Yeah. And some girl without her helmet on. It's a cop and somebody that really wants those cops to not be yeah. there. Yeah. He's like, so. I'm just going
1: to hang out here. <laughs> But that's a, a this sort of a tangent. But that's something I do enjoy about this movie: the ninety-five Judge Dread, We get the whole world built. We get we figure out who the judges are. But then the whole like conflict is bureaucratic conspiracy and like underpinnings and evil people trying to do things in the shadows in the background. This is actually like the judges going out there and taking care of criminals and crime and like having gunfights and all that stuff I don't right
0: know. yeah well like the 95 one i even said it kind of looked like the prequels it's like the prequels there you go it's all like high level government stuff the senator said this yes. and then the chief judge said right. this and this one is more like the original star wars where they just kind of mention the senate and you're like okay i guess something's happening i don't know what's going on yeah but you're dealing with this farm boy yeah so yeah i know some people like the prequels but which one's better really come on <laughs> right the high level, uh, yeah, when you're dealing with Judge Dredd, that's one thing you're right. This movie definitely does better. It's it's dealing with Judge Dredd's work, what mm-hmm. he does, yes. what he's doing, and all that high level bureaucracy stuff, it seems like that's a different... It might be in the comics, probably. If the comics been around for so long, you end up getting into those things, but when you're starting off, mm-hmm. really, that's not really where you want to start off, unless it's some kind of Specifically, what it's about. Yes. But that's Judge Dredge is a street cop, like Stallone said at the end of <laughs> the movie. I'm just a street cop. I got to get back out there. Adrian, I'm going to get on my motorcycle where the wheels don't turn. <laughs> <laughs> Not in this movie. They used real motorcycles. Yes. So, yeah, but, and then basically it's just the judges trying to survive for. Forty-five minutes or however long. There's a couple of slow-mo scenes in there. We get to see uh, a whole bunch of artillery
1: and weapons come out. This is great for this movie. We get to see the lawmaker again using incendiary rounds, yeah, uh, stun rounds on little kid to show that the judge has a little bit of heart, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but then they like Lena brings out, or, or sorry, Mama, I should call her by her character <laughs> name. Mama brings out gatling guns and starts like killing citizens to get after these judges, and the gore and the body count just start to elevate. But we get to a point where the judges get outside. And I think you had a qualm about this, which is why I'm bringing it up. But they get outside. They land on the skating rink outside as they safety. They have their hostage. They're they're together, and they call for backup.
0: Yeah, well, before we get there, let's oh, talk I'm about sorry. them getting... No, don't be sorry. We'll get there. But we're, uh, they did get a hostage. Oh, that's right, yeah. So the, they had made it upstairs to one of the drug dens or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where we get our first real slow-mo... People getting their shot, and
1: oh, they take out a whole room they, full they, of people, yeah, a whole
0: room full of people, and then they get one of mama's second hand men character name is Kay, played wonderfully, I would say by Wood Harris, yeah, and there's a great interaction at some point, i mean they're they're basically like you said they he's basically a hostage to them. Uh, even though he's not a hostage he's been arrested Uh, well and
1: this is and it is one of the scenes where uh, Anderson's telepathy comes into play she's able to look into his mind and realize that he's part of mama's team and he threw the bodies over the balcony from the beginning and he's important to whatever they're doing she doesn't know all of it yet but that's where we get to see a a good use of her telepathic powers comes in
0: right and so they're basically trucking him around the whole time. And you're like, why don't you just put a bullet in him? But but Dread knows he can be used. But we also get a really interesting scene where she's invading his mind and he's able to kind of fight back a little bit because it's in his mind. Yeah. And there's a lot of things like he realizes he's, he's smart. I like how he's not just, he's not stupid. He's smart. Yeah, he's not a thug. Because that's the thing too, and that's a, that's one thing I'm going to give a a plus for this movie is that a lot of times they portray, and this was what they did in the '95 draft, <laughs> just like a bunch of like drunk frat boys who want to shoot everything up for absolutely no reason at all.
1: Is that a judge out there? No, Open no. fire. Yeah,
0: other than just no reason at all. But in real life, and in this, a lot of these guys who are drug dealers and criminals and stuff are actually very intelligent, and if they put their Mind into a regular business that wasn't illegal, they would be just as successful.
1: Yep. They'd make the same connections and yeah. make the same smart decisions. Yeah. So
0: he's not dumb at all. So he realizes that, hey, wait, if you're in my brain and this is my brain, I can think things that you're going to have to deal with. If it's my messed up
1: brain versus your messed up brain, my messed up brain's going to win. Yeah. Hey, that's advantage, man.
0: That was a really interesting. I liked how that went down. But she proved herself very capable because she was able to kind of run rings around him a little bit in there.
1: Oh, absolutely. And we didn't really touch on this, but I'll mention it now. Like there's not for as much as this is a one shot, this is 24 hours and sort of a slice of life thing. Anderson has the most developed, like early on when we first see Anderson, the the question is dread turns to her and he's like, are you ready? She's like, I'm ready. He's like, you don't sound ready. But then she gets the elevates to like this point where she's like being challenged on her powers and she's like, no, I I know what my powers are. And then uh, somewhere, somewhere in the second act, she does kill somebody and has to wrestle with that. But we get to see her actually develop over the course of the
0: movie, which is pretty cool. Yeah, she uses that. She uses her powers, too. That's what you're saying. There's a there's that scene where she uses her powers that they're being pursued and they're in a hallway, and they they manage to like lock them in this hallway. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, "What the heck do we do? You know what's going on?" And she's like, "I'm going to get in this room over here because I can. I know that person's name in there using my telepathy." And she's like, "Open the door up, Jenny." I don't know what that the person's name was. Uh, yep. So she's like, "Okay, someone I know's out there." And open the door up, and hi, I'm a judge, and I bamboozled you. And oh no, I shot your husband in the face. That was such a nice twist, like.
1: I call that as clever writing that's the balance to her telepathy so yes her telepathy was like a MacGuffin and it got her out of the situation it's like oh how convenient that she knows who's in this door as they're being pursued you know but she gets in there she uses her power, fixes the situation and then the situation says oh also the reason you're getting help right now is because you killed the dude that was involved with the situation so it's like uh, power balance I love it
0: but now going back to where you were, as you said, the, the, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of cat and mouse stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And then she brings out these crazy depleted uranium <laughs> Gatling guns that just blow the whole block apart, killing tons of innocent people. And uh, they end up like escaping onto a skateboard ramp that's built on the side of the building. Yep. seems so dangerous if you screwed up. I guess you, how, how far would you have fallen just, you know... <laughs> Oh, yeah, like if where's you miss the ramp, you yeah. be like, oh, there <laughs> goes my board, and yeah. I think I might have killed somebody on the street. <laughs> or you just go, oh, where's Timmy? Well, he was trying to do a half, three, six eighty. I don't know any of the <laughs> skates. What's the other terms? You play the Tony Hawk game.
1: Yeah, he, did, he tried to do a 900, and <laughs> he ended up doing an 18,000 all the way down to <laughs> floor number one. Yeah. <laughs> now we have to befriend a new Timmy. That's yeah. how it works. Oh,
0: no. Timmy.
1: Props to the director, though. He set that up. He showed the skate park, like, when they were doing the overview of the building, so you knew it was there, so it didn't just
0: show up later in the movie. It
1: was like, oh, that came back. They showed that. Kind of like Chekhov's gun stuff.
0: Now, you said I had a problem with it. I don't... Did I... What did I say? I don't remember now.
1: Well, it, you could go either way on this. So, they get outside. The whole point is, they're in lockdown. It's a bottle episode. There's no in or out until somebody dies. Yeah, and they had to get outside, so they were able to call for backup. And they do call for backup. Yeah. So the question was, if they call for backup and then they have comms communication, why not just stay there?
0: Yeah, that was that's what it was. I don't know why they didn't just stay there. Because there's just one hole in the wall. Yep. And it seems like you'd be able to just defend it if people were trying to come through it. Like, just go on either side of the wall. It's valid. You bl- aim high and I aim low. And if anyone comes <laughs> through, we blow their heads off. That's true. Until they start throwing grenades and they blow the platform off the building. But... Well, I guess that's a consideration there. But yeah, because he goes, we have to go back in. And I was like, why? I, I think this is more
1: justification to show you Dred's character because it kind of comes up again when he's... Throughout this whole thing, he's given Anderson tests. Like, yeah. all right, assess the situation. What's your judgment? You have a choice to make. What choice do you make? And she makes it right. You know, that's the whole point. She's on assignment and being tested. But Dred going back in reflects the same thing when he goes, like, she gives him two options of how they're going to do the next step for the third act, but... He says, well, there, you gave me two options, but the, the, there's a third option. We can go out in the offensive. Dread is his own backup. He knows what he's doing, you know? So I think that right, right. more to make Carl Urban shine and be it's like, the, "I am the
0: backup thing." I uh, yeah, I get, I understand what you're saying. They <laughs> they should have been more clear to me. Maybe that's where you put in the "I am the backup" line. <laughs> yep. Should we wait for backup?
1: I am the backup. Yeah. Oh,
0: that would have been perfect. If if it was like, "I see two options. We do this or we stay here and wait for backup." And then he goes, "There's a third option." <laughs> What's that?
1: "I am the backup."
0: Cue rock and roll music. And or, I mean, then, futuristic and then uh, he, and, Skrillex music. And then he goes in there. I don't know. Hey, that's what they end up doing anyway. So Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I would have stayed and defended the hole, but you're right. They could have thrown grenades out there. I don't know. But yes, it's you're, like you're also right, too. He's Judge Dredd. It, so it, he's going to go back in there.
1: It's it's the same argument. Like, why didn't the hobbits take the eagles and just, you know, fly over Mount Doom and drop the ring? It, it's a different story. Yeah. It, it wouldn't turn out the same.
0: Yeah. But yes, they do go on the offensive, and then Mama was convinced that they had to be dead, and they weren't. Nope. So it was like, what do we do now? And she's like, call 911. And you're like, hey? Wait, Judge Dredd just called for backup. Mama called for 911. What is going to happen? And then we see there's a couple of judges outside who are Judge Dredd's backup. Mm-hmm. And they're like, open up, and then we this is where we find out that Hux isn't a willing participant. Yes. She's got that weird sickle-shaped knife in his doughy belly button.
1: It's like a crocodile Dundee blade. (laughs) Uh, It's like, that's not a knife. This is a curved knife. I'm going to stick it right in your belly button. Yeah. And tell them that they can't come in. We're having a problem. And he's just
0: a hacker enough to do it. And he, he gets away with it for a little bit. Yeah. But it's really just temporary. And then a whole bunch of other judges show up and you're like, oh, wow, what's going on now? But those judges get let in. And we're like, what's going on? and they and
1: as they walk in i think this is an interesting thing is that like they're assessing the situation and they sound like how judges should sound but the dialogue they're using and the way they're talking it's like something's not quite right about these judges like they're they're saying everything they should be but there's a weird tone to it i don't know maybe yeah, well i
0: mean I, what was obviously not right to me was they told the other judges to take a hike oh that's it and you're like why but okay
1: but it seems like as they were assessing the situation, it was more instead of stating what they were seeing, it's stating the story they were going to go with because right.
0: they're on the take and they're here for a different reason. Yes, they show up and talk to Mama and they're like, yeah, it's going to cost you a million. A million credits. And then this part I liked because this part was very comic booky, and like, it's going to cost you a million. And she's like, a million? as one judge. And they're like... It's dread.
1: It's dread. <laughs> they're showing, I mean, they are telling because it is dialogue, but just with that one line, they're giving you the implication of people know who Dredd is.
0: Well, they, the other judges do for sure. They know
1: his reputation. I mean, he's still alive after two acts of this movie, so absolutely.
0: So then, the aunties really, Judge Dredd proved that he could take care of the Mama Clan isn't really effective against. They gave their best shot and couldn't take him out. Yes. So now he's got to what, how can he do against other judges?
1: Yep. Other judges, and while this is going on, there's the further twist that because they had their hostage Kay and, and Anderson, Kay actually gets the best of Anderson, and she becomes the hostage, and he takes mm-hmm. her up to Mama, so now it's dread on his own against this, he doesn't know it yet, against these backup uh, corrupt judges and trying to fix it all that way.
0: Yeah, and we have the very creepy, you know what this clan's going to do to a pretty girl like you type thing. And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. But then they get Anderson up there. And because of everything Mama had been through, they're like, you're not doing any of that stuff to her. Yeah. Just throw in that room for now. I'll decide what to do with her in in a minute. There you go. And it makes so much sense because there's so many, you know, there's those James Bondy things. Oh, absolutely. They they make fun of it in the uh, Austin Powers movies. (laughs) Yeah. We're like, why don't you just kill him yeah. right now?
1: <laughs> just right here. Just think about. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to put him in his in his low security room and just let him sit there yeah. and think about what he's done. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I mean, they gave a good reason for why that
1: would happen. Yeah, because again, like you're saying, we said this with Kay, but with Mama as well. For as much as he's like the tragic villain or the tra- the traumatized villain, she's still smart. She's still making decisions in her best interest. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, well, yeah, and that was a moment of. Uh, what happened to me? I don't really want to ever happen to anybody else. So there you go. Just throw her in there, and then, then we got one of my other problems here. Let's go. Is where we get the fun. Now I, I don't, I don't know from the comic books. I haven't read them enough to see what happens. That we learned from the ninety-five one, you grab a judge's gun, and you can't use it. It's coded to them. Yes. In the ninety-five one, you get electrocuted, and this one. It detonates. It detonates in your hand. It it detonates in your hand. I don't know which one's the right one from the comic book. But basically what happens is that the other judges, once they show up, they're like, you're just going to have to kill that judge that's in there. Absolutely. So they're like, okay. And then Kay's like, I'll do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and he obviously, it's really interesting to me because in the 95 one, the guy's like, don't use the judge's gun. It's going to do something bad to you. you it know? seemed like more common and knowledge. Then, yeah. And you know, this one, he'd like, he's like, I've always wanted to use one of these. And because I'd seen the 95 one, I'm like, oh, don't use that, dude. And I was waiting for like the electrocution thing. But then it detonated in his hand, which is gorier and is fine, I guess. But I want to know it's the one from the comic book because it seemed like it would be a lot better if she could have picked up her gun afterwards. Oh, well, True. You know what I mean? Yeah, inst- yeah, instead of having to rely on backup yeah. weapons that are there. But that wasn't my biggest problem. My biggest problem of it was that she had her hands zip-tied, I thought. They were <laughs> zip-tied behind her back. And then the next That's scene, right. they're not zip-tied anymore. She's free and clear. Yeah. So I don't know how they never showed me how she got out of them, and that bothered me. Because they showed how he got out of yes. his. Mm-hmm. He did this crazy acrobatic move, basically. Now, I like that her like kick to the head she gave the, the guy, but her hands were still behind her back. True. And you, you had said those were her cuffs, but I remember them being zip ties and not cuffs. I could be wrong. And maybe they were future cyber ties, but it seems, I don't know. It also seems, too, that, that like if you code the guns... You should cold their cuffs so your cuffs can't be used against you. Like, if you try literally to put cuffs on a judge, they won't lock. That would logistically make sense for this world. Yeah. I'm with you. But I don't know. I, that was a problem I had with it. I was like, how did she get... I, I, show show me how she got out of it. Here, Here's my two solutions to try and justify it.
1: One, uh, the shockwave from him using the gun and blowing his arm off, separated her zip ties. Well, they didn't show me. Oh, no, i kidding. But also, two, like... Uh there's a weird little beat moment before that, and it shows it's the reason I thought it was her cuffs is they show her like knife and her gun and all of her gear on the table while he has her hostage, so I'm assuming if she's zip tied, she sees her knife on the table, knows how to use her own stuff, and gets out that way right, right, but right. they never I, show I, it yeah, and you're right, uh, and, and she's I, just free
0: yeah, I'm sure there was i'm <laughs> no but i'm I, I'm sure you're right, I'm sure it was probably shot, and I'm sure that it was probably edited out because it didn't flow right. And it didn't fit and, the hour and a half runtime. Yeah, it didn't fit. Um, uh, uh, you're right. All her equipment was there, and they made a point to show it. And I think there was a knife there. Yep. So, but I like your idea. Like, if the guns can do that, why can't the cuffs and like all the other equipment they're using do that? That'd so, be great. And it, it would be kind of cool too if. That was actually, like, she could have unlocked them all the time, and she was just waiting for the moment, right moment. Oh, there you go. You know what? Yeah. So then she's like, he, his arm blows off, and he's like, what the heck happened? And she's, she's, she goes like, bleep, bleep. And she's Beep. like, bam, <laughs> just like, gives him a big sock. And she's like, I was waiting for you to do something stupid, or I don't know. If I'm not know a writer.
1: To, yeah, if he doesn't know how the
0: gun gun works, he wouldn't know how the cuffs work. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. I don't know. See, we're making it just that much better. Yeah, just little tweaks here and there. Just little tweaks here and there. But then she's gone like full, like leveled up and assigned her points and all kinds of stuff because she goes full beast mode. That's it. Character art complete. Yeah. Yes. I am now no longer the nervous rookie. I am at least intermediate level two. Well, that's the thing, too, is that. So now here's the thing. Help me with this one, Mikey. Let's go. So she comes across a judge, but she has that telepathy. So she can tell that the uh, that judge that she comes across intends to kill her. One of the corrupt judges. Yeah, one that's of the on corrupt the judges. Yep. So I get that. But when Judge Dredd meets a judge, he's suspicious of him. I don't understand why he's suspicious of him at all. I don't I have no idea why. Because he called for backup. Yes. So there should be judges in there if True. that worked. True. And he has no reason to think that they can't get in. It would be part of protocol, I right. imagine, in some way. Like they could have come through that hole mm-hmm. that was blown in the side. So why was he suspicious of that judge? Only because there's one scene where they sort
1: of give that a little bit of backstory. Like we're saying, this is a show-not-tell movie, so they only Same. hint at it once, as far as I know. But there's a scene where Judge Anderson and Kay are in the room, and he finally, and Judge Dredd realizes what Kay means to Mama Cass. He's like, wait, we only went into lockdown because we were taking you out, which means you're important to Mama Cass, which means Mama Cass is important to something else. Like he starts connecting the dots. Mm. But the whole point of that scene is to show, oh, dread! Like the reason he's well known as a judge and the reason he's been in the game so long is because he's really good at what he does. Mm. You know, so he's he's not only is he judge, jury, and executioner, he's also detective and right.
0: Like I just would have liked a little bit, and here here I go rewriting the movie again. Let's but, do it. But I would have liked a little bit of a like. I would assume he knows most all the other judges. Yes. So maybe that judge is a judge from. He's way out of his jurisdiction. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, if I call back up at Peachtree, then Judge Thompson and Judge Wilson and Judge Hershey should <laughs> well, should, there you go. should show up, right? Yeah. But here I'm standing and I'm looking at Judge Rico, I guess, or whatever <laughs> this guy is. I don't know. Judge Badkin. Yeah, but I'm sitting here looking at this guy and it could have been an easy, quick line of like, a little far away from your... Cooper or or yeah. you know what I
1: mean? Oh, absolutely. And the justification in the movie is really it's, it's a similar type of line, but they really only do one thing. He's like, you, you should know there's two judges here. Why didn't you ask about the other one? Yeah.
0: And that's the, that's the excuse for it. That, well, that's a weak excuse. It to is. Me. I, no, I'm with you. But to, to me, it would have been better if he was like, Why are you here? Yep. Type thing. I'm with you. You know, aren't you supposed to be working District 18 or something like that? Yeah. Why are you coming from District 2 or yeah. Sector 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a long, long way from Sector 2 there, Johnson. Or like a long way from seventy two, there Johnson. Yeah, then he'd be like, yeah. When the judges, he could could say something that was way too personal or not proto, like a judge in need, (laughs) I needed to come help. You know, something that would just, yeah, a a little bit more over the top of. Oh, wait, you said the exact
1: wrong thing, and said instead of it kind of hinged on intuition, like did you kind of say the wrong thing?
0: It's like no, you obviously said the wrong thing. I'm with you. um, That's that was a problem I had.
1: Uh, it, it ties into what my one of the, my problems with this movie is. Okay. So Anderson doesn't wear a helmet for her powers. She can't really get a sense of who dread is because he's wearing a helmet. Mm-hmm. Like for as much as she tries to connect to him, she can't, but she comes across the female version of the bad judges that are on the take mm-hmm. and immediately uses their powers
0: to know that she's a bad mm-hmm. judge. I'm like, Oh, uh, you can't do that. Like yeah. it's gotta be one or the other. Yeah. But a small qualm. You're right. No, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You have to get that helmet off the bad judge somehow. Exactly, narratively.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. Like she loses and then a blast, and they walk up and actually like link
0: forehead to forehead, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, something like that.
1: Uh, But one of the one of the greatest scenes with those corrupt judges that we're talking about is. Uh, Dredd has a face-off, and he's sort of at odds with him. He's running out of ammo.
0: Yeah, in the meth lab.
1: In the meth lab. Well, in the slow-mo lab. Yep.
0: It looks just like a meth lab. Which we and now I, learned. And again, like- again, again, not futuristic-looking enough to me. I mean, it looks straight out of Breaking Bad, which is, is fine, I guess, but do something. I mean, I know uh, they just went and got N95 masks and, like, <laughs> the stuff from... Just do something. Like, have some kind of yeah, sci-fi-looking... No, I- face mask. That's all I'm talking about. All you have to do is take an N95 mask, put some freaking LEDs on it and make it gray or something. That's it. Just tiny, tiny things
1: but that would that sounds more like the enterprising drug lord this is a drug operation that's operating uh, in a slum
0: that, i'm telling you they'd be standard by then oh, that's okay. what i'm saying that's, oh, okay. that's the whole yeah. point of science fiction now think about it like now yes. you know they had the pandemic in 1912 they were just taking like handkerchiefs and wiping around their face yes. and now we have those cool kn 95 masks think of how different those look so and in the future they're going to have something with like a electronic thing is gonna be the standard. You buy them in a stupid box. That's it. Yeah. Pack of five, yeah, for ten bucks.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. That I mean it does look like a drug lab out of the 90s, like breaking bad, like you're saying. Out of somebody's trailer in the
0: middle of Arizona. Yeah. Anyway, they're fighting in it. They're fighting in it and he uh, blows some guy's head off with an explosive round because he's run out of ammo. That's what I liked about this one too, is that the lawmakers, you can call out the different ammo. Yes. But it only has so much of the ammo you know, it loads a different one. Yeah, like regardless you, you of have, each type. Yeah, You have like so many incendiaries and so many regular and so many of this, but the 95 one seemed like it just changed into whatever it needed to be, which doesn't make any dang sense. <laughs> That's Hollywood, baby. Yeah.
1: But this one, yeah, no, he's out. He's he's clicking through. He's like incendiary, out. He's like explosive, out. He's like, uh, fine, armor piercing. No, that was the other No, guy. he had the
0: high explosives. It was the only one he had left. Oh, and he shot into the dude's head and yep. his head exploded.
1: And then the last <laughs> remaining corrupt judge shoots him through the wall with armor piercing. Yes. So Dredd actually gets injured for the first time in this movie. Now, here's the thing. Here's, uh, the, here's
0: another <laughs> thing I have, too. No. I love it. So Dredd's against the wall there, right? Yes. He's like, hiding, And the guy starts shooting the wall left to right. Okay. And it was like one shot. It was like one shot far away, and it's getting closer. So if Dred's so smart, he should know that the shots are coming towards him. He should have jumped to his left. He and, should know the procedure of what the shots are going to come at him as. Yes. Yes. He should have never been shot. Now, if he was shot the first shot, fine. He can't do nothing about it. Yes, but but they did a thing where it was like left a little closer, left, and then it's dude. He didn't see. He didn't. They weren't rapid fire shots. He was shooting semi auto. Boom, boom. Nah, I had a problem with that. Judge Dredd should have jumped to the left or. They should just had him get shot the first time, especially
1: because they make him really intuitive for this movie. I know, so that
0: bothered me a lot. I can oh, valid I, because I know they were trying to do dramatic tension or yeah. something. Figure out a different way to do dramatic tension, or have it so that he he's stuck there somehow, like the slow mo starts burning off. Or oh yeah, like so there's something so that if he, he slow down, like or, or or that he can't move or something. I don't know, but the fact that he was just standing there and I'm like, dude. Jump to the left. <laughs> he already shot there twice. True, it's coming. Ah, I had a problem with that. They need an excuse to use a,
1: the the sci-fi med kit that they had on his utility belt to show the spray goo and the insta staples.
0: But then just have him just get shot the first time. Uh, that bugged me. I get it. it bugged me. I but get see, it. I'm having a nip. This movie is is uh, if you can't tell, this movie's pretty good. So I'm having a nitpick to get stuff. Yeah, but that's the problem is is that you get to a point we'll get there at the end when we start doing pizza rating but you get to a point where it's like oh you are so close <laughs> you're so close yeah
1: yes he should have moved but then you wouldn't get the uh, the bad judge monologuing which i it, it, it seems so intentional and i loved every minute of it he's like no wait and then the the bad judge starts monologuing he's like that's your last word wait he's like blah 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 saying a lot of words <sighs> whoop
0: boop, just for anderson to show up and take him out all the more reason <laughs> No, all the more reason for him to intimately know who that judge is. True. Well, those judges are.
1: Yes. If they know him so well, how come he doesn't know them at least a little bit?
0: So, you know, it'd be like, oh, I know if this is Judge Thompson, (laughs) I know that I can get him monologuing if I tell him to wait. Because that guy will never shut up. Anytime we're in the break room, that guy never shuts up. He always has a comment about every dang thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? He rambles for at least two minutes if you get him going. So all I gotta do is get him going. Yeah, Yeah. I hear you. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe he just knew. Hey, so that that's that's called that's called (laughs) headcanon. I'm just gonna make that headcanon. He knew who that guy was. Yep. So he was like, Oh, Johnson, wait. (laughs) Wait. Like you know those people. They always have a comment on every dang thing. That's it. Hilarious. But he got a monologuing. I love that whole bit and that could have been that could have been where you inject that's one of the things too where's the humor in this movie it's not there's nothing funny about it at all i'm not saying it should be funny but there's never there's never even a light moment at all it's very very serious the entire time through and the the comic book has humor to it it's very dark satirical humor but this movie is humorless yeah there's not even a single moment of like All the quips
1: that should have had a reaction, I guess they might have worked in a theater if you're in the crowd setting, but everything everything that seems like it might be a punchline is so deadpan and dry that you're like,
0: "Uh, okay. Yeah, because that would have been a good opportunity, something like that. Absolutely. And so maybe it was meant to be played that way, and the guy just didn't play it that way. Because it could be really funny if he's like, wait, and he's like, because he didn't say it like you said it. You played it better than he did. (laughs) Fair enough. He didn't go like... Wait. No, yeah. Really? Those are your last words? You know, it's, that's very marvely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where and they could have it just you could have never had it anywhere else in the movie and if you just had it at that one spot, I think it would have been pretty good. I'm with
1: you. And and I also say I think it's an overcorrection that it sort of is a flaw against it. Like I guess they knew that 1995 was bad because it was too silly, too action comedy. They sort of overcorrected to make it less comedy, but
0: Should have kept a little bit more in there. Mm -hmm. Just, I don't know. It would have been a perfect opportunity if you got the right actor in there. Wait, really? That's where you're going to say the great Judge His last thing is wait, you know? And then he could even like, maybe like kneel down towards him and just kept real condescending, like real jerky. And it would be even better when he got shot. You'd be, yes, (laughs) what a jerkwad. Like he could even do something like, I've always wondered what he looked like under that helmet. Like you're about to take his helmet off or something. That would have been great. Yeah. And then,
1: nope. the only laugh I got in this entire movie was they actually made Carla Urban say the line. I am the law. (laughs) But that's just like the meta joke. Like that's the fan going, oh, he said the thing. Yeah. (laughs) But for as much as those corrupt judges are set up to be the bad guy, we have one main bad guy. And it's essentially the final act in this movie is Dredd makes a push. He goes on the offensive and he goes after Mama. The whole head of this whole operation, the whole drug ring, and he finally gets to the top. But uh, Lena Headey is the boss babe that she's always been, and she has contingency
0: plans, and she has bombs on her wrist that says, "You can take me out, but we're taking everybody out." Yeah, she has like a—it's like a transmitter on her wrist that's attached to her heartbeat, and the whole floor is rigged with bombs. It's
1: the dead man trigger. That's yeah. old school, and
0: it's gonna—it'll blow up the whole floor, and since it's the top couple floors, it'll cause the other ones to collapse under them. But uh, before that, uh, Hux gets released because, thankfully, Anderson can read minds and realizes that he was kind of a hostage. And uh, it, it was an interesting scene
1: because that's like she failed her test, which is sort of the B story to this whole mm-hmm. movie. Is she, you know, She's on assignment and being tested. But we get to see that she's the humanity, just like uh, Diane Lane, Judge Hershey from the original. Mm-hmm. She's the counterbalance to Dredge. She's the heart and core, and she sees him as a victim and not a, a, a perp. Yeah.
0: So after that is when we get Lena Headey. She's got her, what'd you call Dead man trigger? Yep. Dead man trigger. Yeah. Once her pulse goes, once the body dies, the trigger goes off. And then here we get again, smart. I know what I'm doing. Judge Dredd, who didn't jump to the left when the wall was being (laughs) shot. So this is why it's it's because he's like, Okay, I recognize that that transmitter is a. He doesn't say this, but you have kind of figure out that he's like, that looks like an XT2500 transmitter. It has a range of about 3,000 feet. Yeah, can it get know? to 100 floors of concrete, yeah. 200 floors of concrete? So he, <laughs> he grabs her, shoots her. Shoots her in the so stomach. She won't die. Yep. Then slow mows her and then throws her off, well, into the building because there's a big courtyard in the middle. Yes.
1: But uh, a shout out to Not Scott, our producer, for calling this first. But it's the typical Hollywood bad guy ending. (laughs) It's the slow fall to your death. I know it happened in Die Hard. It happened in Ninety Five (laughs) Judge Dread. It happens in this movie. I know
0: it was like a checkbox. Oh my goodness gracious! I know. Yeah, checkbox. The funny thing was is that it worked for this, and it wasn't one of those dumb dumb. uh, Dread is falling. Now you're falling, yeah. Type things. Mm-hmm. It it wasn't it wasn't that. It was it made sense.
1: And he so. also brought up the idea like every time they throw somebody off a balcony, they give them slow mo first in this movie. Which you're like, that's uh-huh. kind of weird. But then you realize, oh, if you're falling to your death and you're going at one percent of time, well, that's like torture. No, know, thank you. That's, that's that's doubly like bad. Torture.
0: So yeah, that the, we just get a final kind of button scene where the place gets opened back up. Anderson and Dredd are down there and Anderson hands over her badge. She's like, I know I failed. I can't do this. I'm yeah. not I'm not cut out for she it. She lost her weapon. That's a fail. That is, automatic fail. So and then the um Justice Supreme or whoever that was, they don't really ever say. You just mm-hmm. know it's a superior of Judge Dredd. That's which I kinda like. Again, we kinda like they're just like, Deal with it. There's yep. this woman's in a uniform and Judge Dredd has to answer to her. And he's being respectful, so I yeah. guess that means she's hired she's top brass. And She's like, pass or fail, and you're sitting there waiting. Is he going to say fail? No. Judge Dredd learned something himself, too. He grew, too.
1: His heart grew two times the size that day.
0: And he says, pass.
1: Oh, which should indicate a sequel, but that's still up in the air.
0: Yeah. Well, the problem with this movie is it cost $45 million to make and made $41 million in the theaters.
1: Yep. Had a little bit of a second life in home video, but is now considered a cult classic rather than a box office smash.
0: I think it would say it's fair to say it broke even maybe. Yeah, there are talks, though, of a TV series being (sighs) done, whether it would be Carl Urban in a TV series. I don't know, but that's the way things are going nowadays. Sign me up. I have a soft spot in my heart for dread as far as a property goes,
1: and oh man, I, I've seen—I think I've seen every police procedural TV show that's on there that, that's been put out there. If you combine those two things, oh, I'm I'm in front of the boob tube, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so I smell a pizza. Ding dong. Our pizza is here, and generally, the pizza is here means that's the end of the podcast. But for when we're doing a reassumption, the pizza is here, meaning. We need to do a pizza rating. How much of the pizza are we gonna eat? What pizza is it? Yes. Out of eight slices of pizza, eight being the best, zero being the worst. I don't think we've given anything ever zero. No. What, Mikey? You go first. I, what? Real is, quick,
1: I gotta contemplate what I, I'm trying to think of. What I would get
0: zero slices of pizza, but that's a probably a question for a, a future podcast. Yeah, we might have to do. Um, <laughs> We did the eight slice of extravaganza. We might have to do with like the one slice extravaganza. Is it one or zero? I think one is the one. Yeah, yeah. you can't have no pizza. You yeah. have to have at least some <laughs> yeah, pizza. Yeah. <laughs> even a. Yeah, I'm not even gonna say. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say any brands. But uh, yes. But like movies you walked out on, books you stopped. Oh, that'd be. Uh,
1: yeah. We're brainstorming, but that'd be great. Uh, my pizza rating for this movie is no surprise. Uh, I, it probably came through in me describing the scenes that I loved, but uh, this was the fifth time I had seen this movie, watching it <laughs> with you would not, Scott. <laughs> and I love, this is a perfect action movie. This is in, falls in the same category of movies that are like Mad Max Fury Road or John Wick or the recent, the movie Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. It's all, it's just hour and a half, put popcorn in your mouth, watch people die in creative ways, but also get some cool guns and some sort of backstory. So perfect action movie for me, 8 out of 8 slices.
0: Boom. Mikey loves it, 8 out of 8 slices. Um, now, like I said, I have some critiques on this, but they're minor. They're very nitpicky, but it's not so... I've been waffling back and forth. What are the, the is, is stuff enough to detract my biggest complaints are a few narrative choices and I didn't think it looked cyberpunky enough. Okay. So, but then, then I like sit there and consider, okay, so if you put a little cyberpunky skin on it, would that fix it? Yeah, that'd probably fix a lot of it for me. So does that really take a slice away? Maybe, maybe not, but this isn't eight out of eight for me. I liked it a lot. But I don't know if I liked it seven. You know what I'm gonna do, and uh, this is the thing. And I've argued, we've argued with fans about this before. <laughs> this is not a bad rating. This is not a bad rating at all. I'm giving it six out of eight, but supreme. Ooh, all it's, the toppings. It's six out of eight with all the toppings on it. This is not a bad movie. I would definitely watch it again. Those two slices coming off are basically the. I want it to be more sci-fi. Just a little more of a sci-fi sheen on it. Okay. Uh, Yeah. No, I get you. And I want that. I want someone to do the humor that people love in the comic book, right? So, especially with the way Marvel's doing things, like you, it's that's possible, right? So that's what I want in there. I want that extra two slices that are missing for me are the the funny moment slice and a bigger sci-fi skin slice. But six slices supreme. It's not a bad rating. I like it. I have one final
1: trivia question for you mm-hmm. as we get to our end. This is the one final thing I want to bring up. So, I have the official body count for this movie. Oh, wow. And I thought that just to wrap it up, here's a fun little game. It's
0: under 200, but I want you to give me a number. How many what's the body count for this movie? Okay, let's see. Um there's a guy that the I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to do hash marks. There's the guy that was hit and then then there's the the three were the three or four guys in that car. And then, if you're listening at home, you can place your, your think, own bits. Then,
1: <laughs> then, say them out loud in your car. Say them out loud in the bathroom. Okay, you, so you, you can said it's long. under what? Under 200. That's the the only hint I'm giving you. Did you give you the range? Okay. Um, but there is a
0: final body count for this movie. Under 200. That makes me think it's over 100. Then, which seems like a lot. But where am I just setting I guess you up? So. <laughs> I mean, the they the, a lot of people went in that the thing, but man. There was machine guns taking yeah. out whole floors. Now, is this this is actually seen on screen deaths, yes. not assumed? Nope. Okay, and seen like laying down bodies. Yes, confirmed body count. Right. Um. Jeez, oh, what was Rambo? Um. I'm gonna say uh, 111.
1: Holy crap! Okay, so Kevin says 111. I'll give the audience a second to get their own guesses in because here comes the official number. One hundred and two. You were so Whoa, close. Oh yes.
0: Oh, that was great.
1: So yes, official body count for this movie: one hundred and
0: two bodies. Wow, I wanted to put a whole bunch of ones together. <laughs> I, <laughs> all right. Wow, that's fun trivia. So we want to know what your pizza rating is for Dread Twenty Twelve. Do you love this movie? You is should. It like Mikey does. Is it eight out of eight slices? Do you think it's like the worst thing ever because you're a huge fan of the 1995 movie? Yeah, I don't know who would that be. Yes, if you do think that, please do let us know. Wanna we want to you. know, yeah, yeah. We wanna know who you are. You can send us a Gmail, uh, gmail Dot com. I always ask Mikey what format he wants to hear the Gmail in. Last week, I think we had an all points bulletin. Uh, same theme again because I love it. I mean, it, you got to call in the 1034. Let yeah. us know your,
1: uh, your location. Uh, the perpetrators, yes. yeah, get what your problems mm-hmm. are, and
0: we'll try and address it as a judge. Send a message into the control at the Hall of Justice. At the Hall of Justice. <laughs> you can also hit us up on our social medias, at Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We also want to thank you guys so much for listening, and we want to thank Not Scott Productions for our equipment, JazzR Free Music, That Guy Brad for our announcing. We hope you guys have a great week. Go watch a movie, because they're fun. Court adjourned. Good. Well, we can't do the voice because uh, Carl Urban had a normal voice for the whole thing. Maybe we should just say, I law. Well, why don't we just say, go ahead and smile. Yeah. Go ahead uh, and smile, Judge Dredd.
1: Yeah, turn that frown upside down.
0: <laughs> You've been frowning for an hour and a half. That's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs>